0: 2017. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Polk Runyon, and tonight we review and comment on Paddy Chayefsky's Oscar-winning 1976 motion picture network. This is in line with our previous reviews on similar prophetic works such as Michael Crichton's State of Fear, Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, and George Orwell's 1984. Network is a scathing satire on the intellectual and moral corruption of American television networks, especially their news departments. Much of the corruption Network presents was just beginning to come about in 1976, but was fully in place by the 1980s, according to Dave Itzkoff. In his book Mad as Hell 2014, on the book on the film, and is presently erupting in the network news media efforts
1: to actually
0: support the overthrow of the elected government of the United States of America. The focus of the 1976 film is a middle aged TV anchor man, Howard Beale, who is about to be fired for low ratings. Depression and alcohol have driven Beale to madness, and he becomes the mad prophet of the airwaves, preaching his mantra chant, I'm mad at hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. This drives his ratings sky high and he is a star, until the network entertains a bid from a multinational conglomerate controlled by Saudi Arabian money. Beale urges his followers, his viewers, to protest the Arab deal to the White House and is successful in delaying the procedure. The head of the network's corporation, Arthur Jensen, confronts and convinces him that the new world order has made populist democracy obsolete. The world is a business, Mr. Beal, and I have chosen you to preach a new evangel. Why me? Beale asks. Because you're on television, dummy. Now, this is exactly the same question Beale was asked, and exactly the same answer he got when the voice of God first spoke to him. So, Beale is converted, and he goes back on the air trying to sell the globalist agenda, telling his followers that democracy is obsolete and that they should accept dehumanization. Of course, his ratings drop to the seller, but Jensen won't let the network fire him. So the executives convince the radicals of their documentary mouth-say hour to machine-gun Beale in the studio as he comes on stage for his show. This will up their ratings and pay, all, pay for Beale's deficit. It's all a business. That's the gist of it. And stay with us, and we'll dig deeper into this masterpiece of American prophetic cinema. A couple of things they don't tell you about network that we'll mention before reading the synopsis of the plot. Prologue scene between Max Schumacher, Bill Holden, and his longtime friend Howard Beale, Peter Finch, sets the theme and the dynamic for the whole story. Most veteran newsmen are in a New York bar. Howard has just been given his notice by the network, and he's getting drunk. Max is commiserating with him, getting drunk with him. Howard says he's going to commit suicide on the air at his next show, blow his brains out right on camera. Max decides to make a joke out of it and says, oh, we can make a show out of this. You can kick it off. We'll call it the Suicide Hour. The ratings will be great. And, of course, they both think this is ridiculous. But it predicts the tone and the events of the film and the events to come. The other thing that doesn't get on YouTube is Diana Christensen, Faye Dunaway's speeches about promoting subversive radicals for profit, even though she won an Oscar for Best Actress in the Film. To those of us who are veterans and American patriots like Patty Chieffi, these revelations are just as blood-chilling as Arthur Jensen's promotion of the New World Order. So with these observations in mind, first let's introduce Patty Chieffi, and then we'll review the plot of the film. Sidney Aaron Paddy was born January 29, 1923, and he died in August uh, 1981. A heart attack. He lived just long enough, just long enough to see what he had predicted come about, because it came about. It came about right with the dawn of the 1980s. He was an American playwright, a screenwriter, and a novelist. He is the only person to have won three solo Academy Awards for Best Screenplay. The other uh, three-time winners were Francis Ford Coppola, Charles um, Brackett, Woody, Allen, and Billy Wilder all had to share their awards with co-writers. Now, Patty was considered one of the most renowned dramatists of the so-called golden age of television. His intimate, realistic scripts provided a naturalistic style of television drama in the 1950s. And he was regarded as a central figure in the kitchen sink realism movement of American television. Martin Gottfried wrote in all his jazz, that Chayefsky was a successful writer, the most successful graduate of television's slice-of-life school of naturalism. Well, I do want to break, take a little break of this. I, I don't quite agree with that because Chayefsky, had, Chayefsky uh, wrote in classic style, and, and his, his work, was, uh, his work was, was actually in a way almost Shakespearean. Uh, we'll get into that later. Following his critically acclaimed teleplays, Chayefsky continued to succeed as a playwright and a novelist. As a screenwriter, he received three Academy Awards for Marty, 1955, The Hospital, 1971, and Network, 1976. The movie Marty was based on his own television drama about two lonely people finding love. Network was his scathing satire of the television industry, and The Hospital was also satirical. A film uh, historian David Thompson called The Hospital Years Ahead of Its Time. Few films capture the disaster of America's self-destructive idealism as well. His screenplay for Network is often regarded as his masterpiece and has been hailed as the kind of literate, darkly funny, and breathtakingly prescient material that prompts many to claim it as the greatest screenplay of the 20th century. I think I would agree with that. Chayefsky's early stories were frequently influenced by the author's childhood in the Bronx. Chayefsky uh, was part of the inaugural class of inductees in the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, Television Hall of Fame. He received this honor three years after his death in 1984. The military service. During World War II, Chayefsky joined the United States Army, where he received both the Purple Heart and the nickname Patty. The nickname was given spontaneously when he was awakened at dawn for for kitchen police. And although actually Jewish, he asked to be excused to attend mass. Okay, Patty, said the officer, and the name stuck. Serving with the 104th Infantry Division in the European Theater, he was a machine gunner. By the way, he was uh, near Aachen, Germany, when he was wounded, reportedly by a landmine. Actually, he went out to he went out to take a crap and 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 and, and, sat, and, and sat on the <laughs> and the landmine went off. And and uh, and <laughs> uh, while recovering from his injuries in the Army Hospital near Sinchester, England, he wrote. The book and lyrics to a musical comedy uh, called uh, uh, No T.O. for for Love, that's Table of Organization for Love, first produced in 1945 by the Special Services Unit, and the show toured European Army bases for two years. And the London opening of No T.O. for Love at the, at the Scalia Theater in the West End was the beginning of Chayefsky's theatrical career. During the London production of this musical, Chayefsky encountered Joshua Logan, a future collaborator in Garson, Garson Conan, who invited Chayefsky to collaborate with him on a documentary on the Allied invasion, The True Glory. Now, came back from uh, from the army and and worked in his father's uh, in, his, in his uncle's print shop for a while in the Bronx and uh, and then uh, you know got got into in, into television as it got started and he relocated to Hollywood for a while and, and got married and and but he didn't he didn't like Hollywood so he went back to television and of course he did uh, in television he. Uh, he, he, had, he had some early success, and and Marty that that uh, that was originally a television show uh, that he did, and he t- took it to Hollywood and uh, and made a hit movie out of it with Arnie Borgnine, as, as some of you probably remember, and got an Academy Award. And then, of course, then he did he did Hospital, and Hospital is in a way kind of like Network. Uh, the the principal characters, you know the the head doc, the the the, the 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 head doctor in the hospital, you know, goes on around and says, "We don't cure anybody. We don't help anybody. We don't we don't save anybody. We <laughs> we're failures." It it uh, uh, it it's a sort of an indictment of the whole old American health uh, healthcare uh, um, establishment. Well, uh, whereas network is is an indictment on the on the on the TV corruption. Now. Now that we know Patty Chesi and we know how he thinks, a couple more things about Patty Chesi that I wanted to mention before we get into the plot on on network. Uh, Patty, Patty was a strong supporter of the state of Israel. He was a, he was a, an American patriot. Yeah, very definitely, and, and and you know, and he and he favored our capitalism over communism, so he wasn't one of that cultural Marxist crowd, and you know the the ones that that, that, uh, that a lot of them came from the Weimar Republic, you know. But uh, the uh, patty uh, patty had a feud with with Vanessa Redgrave. And uh, you know they 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 you know she made these political statements on the on the Oscar uh, stage about the B L O and the Palestinians you know and and Patty, Patty just despised her, and he 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 was a firm and being a firm uh, believer in Israel he he he's, he was very suspicious of of Arab money uh, being invested in America especially in being invested in our media now. Let's review the plot of the network. Howard Beale, the longtime anchor of the Union Broadcasting System, UBS. That's not United Bank of Switzerland. That was, what the, that was the United Broadcasting System. Evening News learns from a friend and News Division President, Max Schumacher, that he is just two more weeks on the air because of declining ratings. And the two get drunk and lament the state of their industry. The following night, Beale announces on live television that he will commit suicide on next Tuesday's broadcast. UBS fires him after this incident, but Shoemaker intervenes so that Beal can have a dignified farewell. Beal promises he will apologize for his outburst, but once on the air, he launches back into a rant, claiming that life is bullshit. Beale's outburst causes the newscast ratings to spike. And, much to Schumacher's display, the upper echelons of UBS decide to exploit Beale's antics rather than pull him off the air. In one impassioned diatribe, Beale galvanizes the nation, persuading his viewers to shout out of their windows, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Diana Christensen who heads the network's programming department, uh, seeking just one hit show, she cuts a deal with a band of radical terrorists for a new docudrama series called The Mao Turn Hour for the upcoming fall season. And when Deal's ratings seem to have topped out, Christensen approaches Shoemaker and offers to help him develop the new show. He says no to the professional offer, but not to the personal one. And the two begin an affair. And when Schumacher decides to end deal as the angry man format, Christensen convinces her boss, Frank Hackett, to slot the evening show under the entertainment division so she can develop it. Uh, um, Hackett agrees, bullying the UBS executives to consent to fire a shoemaker, and soon afterward, Beale is hosting a new program called the Howard Beale Show. Top billed as the Mad Prophet of the Airways, ultimately the show becomes the most highly rated program on television, and Beale finds new celebrity preaching his angry message in front of a live studio audience. That on cue. Chance Beale's signature catchphrase in mass We're as mad as hell and we're not going to take this anymore. At first, Max and Diana's romance withers as the show flourishes. But in the flush of high ratings, the two ultimately find their way back together, and Shoemaker leaves his wife of over 25 years for, leaves her for Christensen. But Christensen's fanatical devotion to her job and emotional and emotional emptiness ultimately drive Max back to try returning to his wife, even though he doesn't think she'll agree. And he warns his former lover that she will self-destruct at the pace she is running with her career. You are television incarnate, Diana, he tells her, indifferent to suffering, insensitive to joy. All of life is reduced to the common rubble of banality. When Beale discovers that Communication Corporation of America, CCA, the conglomerate that owns UBS, will be bought out by an even larger Saudi Arabian conglomerate, He launches on an on-screen tirade against the deal, encouraging his viewers to send telegrams to the White House, telling them, I want the CCA deal, stopped now. Well, this throws the top network brass into a state of panic because the company's debt load has made the merger essential for its survival. Hackett takes Beal to meet the CCA chairman, Arthur Jensen who explicates his own corporate cosmology to Beale, describing the interrelatedness of the participants in the international economy and the illusory nature, nature of national and national distinctions. Jensen persuades Beale to abandon the populist message and preach his new evangel. However, television audiences find his new sermons on the dehumanization of society depressing. And his ratings begin to slide. Yet Jensen will not allow the UBS executives to fire Beale. Seeing it's a two for the price of one, solving the Beale problem to, to spark a boost in seasonal or, season or opener in ratings, Christensen, Hackett, and the other executives decide to hire the Ecumenical Liberation Army to assassinate Beale on the air. The assassination succeeds, putting an end to the Howard Beale show and kicking off a second season of the Mount Sei Tung Hour. Oof. Yeah, the end of the show is a. This has been the story of Howard Beale, the only man that was ever killed for for having bad ratings. So that gives us an idea of what happens in the film. And if we want to dig deeper, we can go to Davey's 2014 book, Mad as Hell which is a well-researched study of the film uh, from conception to reception. Ned was the brainchild of Patty Chiesky, who was one of those rare screenwriters who actually had control of his work in the filmmaking process. After his Oscar-winning film Marty, 1956, and The Hospital, 1971, he had more power than a director on the set of his films. If Patty wrote the line, it was delivered. Nobody changed it. Sidney Lumet directed Network, but it was a Patty Chiesky film. Patty was a New York Jew from a Russian immigrant family, an infantry machine gunner in World War II, with a purple heart. He favored capitalism over communism, was very pro-Israel, and fearful of Arab investments influencing American media. He predicts this situation in Network, during the first Arab assault on the American economy in the 1970s. And most of you listening probably don't remember that, but when the Arabs went after us in the 1970s, we were lined up in our cars around the block to get, to get uh, gas for a few cents less than what they were forcing us to pay. If he had lived to see the Twin Towers burn and collapse and our president kiss up to the Saudis and then make war in Afghanistan and Iraq instead of our real enemy, Patty might well have written an alternative history of World War II in which the Japanese influence persuades President Roosevelt to accept the notion that the renegade Admiral Yamamoto, who planned and executed Pearl Harbor, is hiding out in China and that America should point the spear of war in that direction and not toward Japan. FDR could have replicated Obama's belated hit on Osama Bin Laden by rerunning our 1944 aerial assassination of Yamamoto using a squadron of our superfighters, the P-38s, which were assigned to guard his wife Eleanor, and he could have... He, he could have had a Hamlet-like scene in which FDR debates with himself, which one, or perhaps both, he wants his pilots to shoot down. Oh, this should be so good, you know. Like, should should they should they shoot down Yamamoto's Betty, or should they shoot down Eleanor's Goonie Bird? Which one, or both? <laughs> and of course, such a scenario is outrageous, but it might help put the 9/11 event and its aftermath in perspective. With a similar goal in mind as a magician, I intend to summon the spirit of Howard Beale at the conclusion of this program, on the assumption that he has been watching his prophecy come true from the Akashic field and will have a new oracle for us in our troubled times. Now, understand I'm a magician, not a spiritualist, so I'm not summoning uh, the ghost of Patty Chiesky. I'm summoning the spirit of Howard Beale. And although Beale did articulate his creator's views, he is now Patty's monster, like the one created by Mary Shelley, and has a mind of his own, perhaps be normal. Patty's friend Bill Brooks would like that one. Unlike screenwriters today, Chayefsky believed that dialogue carried the film. One might say that his screenplays were like Shakespeare, like Shakespeare, with his characters spouting long monologues and voicing impassioned rants. Dialogue was action for Patty, and Network proves that what is disdained as theatrical today is still very effective filmmaking. Of course, one of the aspects that makes Network an all-time classic is its magnificent cast. Peter Finch as the mad prophet Howard Beale does steal the show, but Faye Dunaway as Diana Christensen, the soulless bitch in charge of programming, runs him a close second. Bill Holden as Max Shoemaker is very good and sympathetic. Robert Duvall as the corporate hatchet man and Ned Beatty as the globalist chairman of the board are totally convincing. As in Chayefsky's characters, think out loud at each other and we get to know them and we feel with them and, and feel for them. A director I worked with once told me that half the job of film direction is good casting. And Sidney Lumet, certainly had that philosophy. He raced from scene to scene. Action, shoot, cut, print, no protection copy. He brought in network under budget and still got an Oscar. And what made this all the more difficult was that the television studio interiors all had to be shot in Canada because the American TV networks would not allow the network film crew in their facilities. You can't blame them. At this point, let us deal with the real villain of the piece, the New World Order, the globalist multinational college of corporations that Arthur Jensen, Ned Beatty describes and justifies in his famous speech to Howard Beale. Now, before I read Jensen's speech, we should mention that Jensen takes Beale into the boardroom saying that, I'm a salesman, Mr. Beale, and I'm going to make a sales pitch. Now, the problem is, that Jensen is successful in converting Beale, but he fails to make Beale into a good salesman for his program, his system, or whatever you want to call it. This is not a plot flaw, but it is something that we should deal with because the sales pitch for the New World Order or the brainwashing of the American people was just getting started when Beale declared, I have seen the face of God, or if you prefer, I love Big Brother. So let's go into the boardroom and read Arthur Jensen's speech. And, of course, I want you to all go on YouTube and see and Beattie do it. And, and, you, know, you are meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I will not have it. Is that clear? You think you've merely stopped a business deal. That's not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country, and now they must put it back. It's the ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You're an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems, one vast and inane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars, petrodollars, euro-dollars, dollars reichmarks, rins, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature, and you will atone. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Buell? You'll get up on your little 21-inch screen and howl about American democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and IGT and AT&T and DuPont and Dow and Union Carbide and Exxon. These are the nations of the world today. What do you think the Russians talk about in their councils of state? Karl Marx? No. They get out their linear programming charts, their statistical decision theories, minimax solutions, and compare the price probabilities of their transactions and investments just like we do. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable laws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale, it has been since man crawled out of the slime. And our children will live, Mr. Beale, to see that perfect world in which there is no war, nor famine, oppression, or brutality, one vast an ecumenical holding company for whom all men will work to serve a common profit in which all men will hold a share of stock. All necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilized, all boredom amused. And I have chosen you, Mr. Beale, to preach this evangel. But why me? Because you're on television, dummy. 60 million people watch you every night. Sunday through Friday. So Howard Beale is converted, and he goes back on the air to preach the New World Order's Evangel. But St. Arthur Jensen has not given his disciple the gospel or the tools he needs to inspire his viewing audience to follow the new vision. Deal doesn't have global warming and climate change. He doesn't have diversity. He doesn't have social justice. He doesn't have LGBT rights, and he doesn't have universal health care. He doesn't have alien amnesty. He preaches that individual freedom and ambition must be given up in exchange for security. He follows the example of B.F. Skinner, who said, we must get beyond freedom and dignity. And, like B.F. Skinner, Beale fails. His ratings drop, and the networks contracted radical terrorists to kill him. We are somewhat reminded of what has happened to Milo Yiannopoulos. Let's mine Dave Itzkoff's book for some revealing quotes from Patty's Notes. The thing about television right now, this is 1975, is that it is an indestructible and terrifying giant that is stronger than the government, certainly Nixon and Agnew's government. It is possible through television to take a small matter and blow it up to monumental proportions. And this certainly applies to Senator Sessions shaking hands with the Russian Russian ambassador. Then on page 49 we read, Shaysky also created a separate three-page list of increasingly ominous political calamities that could imagine befalling, he could imagine befalling the United States. Racist hysteria and jingoism, police violence in the ghettos and barrios, a consolidation of a united front joining together all sections of the revolutionary, radical, and democratic movements. The sheer numbers of the prison class and their terms of existence make them a mighty reservoir of revolutionary substructure and infrastructure. Sounds like Patty had been a fly on the wall reading Saul Alinsky over Hillary Clinton's shoulder. But remember, Patty was not a Frankfurt School cultural Marxist, but he certainly intuited their subversive agenda. Then, on page 228, we move up to today as network's prophecy comes true in the 1980s. But something changed forever in the 1980s as the networks and their news divisions were absorbed into larger conglomerates and rung for every penny they could produce. And these journalists who kept their lucrative jobs were left, as 60 Minutes creator Don Hewitt would later write, in no position to join the chorus of criticism against those troubling consolidations why aren't we broadcast journalists howling about it he would ask well because we want it both ways we want the companies we work for to put back the wall the pioneers erected to separate news from entertainment but we are not above climbing over the rubble each week to take an entertainment paycheck for broadcasting the news in the same era, the Federal Communications Commission in 1987 abolished its long standing fairness doctrine, which was supposed to ensure that broadcasters covered public issues with impartiality and balance. And rules were relaxed that had prevented the concentration and cross-ownership of media companies in the hands of only a few parent corporations. When journalists entered the industry after this point, they joined up accepting certain fundamental truths that would have horrified previous generations. That's network. And I strongly advise that everyone watch it again and look for the parallels to what we are seeing and hearing on the television networks today. Or, at the very least, watch Ned Beattie's Arthur Jensen speech on YouTube and the rants of Howard Beale. Now, as I have promised earlier, and because this is a magical show, we shall summon the spirit of Howard Beale to give us a contemporary oracle. Now, to get, tact- to-, to get technical, we're not going to call up the ghost of Paddy Chiazky, but the spirit of his creation. And we hasten to declare that the spirit's opinions and attitudes are his own and not those of the Hermetic Hour or its sponsoring organization or its host. If this disclaimer is not acceptable, then we remind you that if the character of Howard Beale were here today and still speaking to us, these certainly would be his opinions and attitudes, at least before his conversion. So let's all get mad as hell and listen to the mad prophet. We call up the spirit of Howard Beale in the name of liberty, freedom, and the American way. In the name of democracy, justice, and individual freedom of expression, we call upon the spirit of Howard Beale to help and advise us in our time of need. Come from the vantage where you watch over us. And help us to understand and prevail as we strive to fulfill your original vision, which has come to pass in our time. We are mad as hell, and we won't take this anymore. Come to us, mad prophet of the airways. You are on the air once again. Oh, my God, you people did it. You really did it. You elected your own businessman to stand up to these neo-Marxist globalist bastards. Of course, he's also a globalist businessman, but he says he's going to restore our sovereignty and protect our culture and our borders and bring our jobs back and stop the other globalist bastards from looting and destroying the American middle class. And so far, he seems to be trying to do just what he promised. Well, more power to our president, if he can do it. But you people are still watching television, and you're still reading leftist, globalist newspapers. And if you believe they're bullshit, the government you elected, because you were mad as hell, will be overthrown. And then you'll really be mad as hell. So stop watching television. Stop reading their newspapers. The only thing that will kill these snakes is low ratings and poor circulation. So turn them off. Cancel your subscriptions and kill them. Get your news on the Internet. Not from Alex Jones. He's as crazy as I am. And fight to keep the goddamn United Nations from controlling your Internet. The Saudis are in charge of human rights rights for the U.N. Can you believe that? These are the wonderful people who brought you 9-11. I'm not an anti-Muslim. I'm anti-Wahhabi. These people are not good Muslims. They disrespect the Prophet. Saudis can't even celebrate his birth. The damn Wahhabis even boudoir Mohammed's house. If these heretics ever take control of the Internet, you'll all be under Sharia laws, censorship. Not just news, but all your personal communication. It'll be 1984's Ministry of Truth and the Thought Police. They already have the religious police. Remember, the U.N. is our creation. And it has been turned against us, just as the European Union was our creation and is now our enemy. We need to reassert our national sovereignty. We need to let these leftist, globalist, one-world bastards know that we are mad as hell and we won't take us anymore. Good night, and God bless the United States of America. Thank you, Spirit Howard Beale. We may not agree with all your sentiments, but we respect your right to return and express yourself. That's a wrap for tonight. Next week we'll be back, same time, same channel. So until then, good night and good night